So if you'd like to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, you'll find this on page 1,159 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. For the last few weeks leading up to this, we were able to be in Ephesians chapter 5 and learn about the key aspects of what is marriage. What is marriage? And that ultimately marriage is to point to this glorious reality of Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Well, today as we enter into Ephesians chapter 6 we see this relationship of parents and children. And we see how ultimately that too represents God as Father and we as His children. So again, these things are to point us to the realities of who God is and who we are because of Jesus Christ. So Ephesians chapter 6 And I'm going to go ahead and read this week, and Lord willing, next week, verses 1 through 9. 1 through 9. Because the next four weeks, Lord willing, we'll be looking at these passages, but you can see the same themes woven in them. So we'll be looking at this as a block. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to be in your word. Father, we pray for wisdom and guidance, for discernment through the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to know your truth so that we can be set free to live for your glory and for your honor. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. Amen. 
And if you would like, on the back of your bulletin, there's a little outline that has some of the other scriptural passages I'll be citing. I'm going to be going through from the Old Testament to the New and looking how this theme is woven together when it comes to honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. And as we go through these verses, when it comes to honoring your father and your mother, we're going to see that there is one word that keeps coming up. And this is why God has created this relationship of parents. Remember, we understood that God created marriage so that one man and one woman could be joined. And that is ultimately to display Christ and his church. Well, this one man, one woman joined. They become one. And if God brings about, and it's within his will and his ways, they have children. They are then to teach and instruct these children in the ways of the Lord as a pattern, ultimately displaying that all who are in Christ have one Father. God is our Heavenly Father. And His purpose is to teach us and instruct us and guide us ever closer to Him. And then we're going to see this word that keeps coming up is for the purpose of holiness. Holiness. It's interesting, as I went through these verses and went from the Old Testament to New and through prayer and study and that, I was amazed at so many times when it spoke of this command in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, it was within the context of us being holy. Us being holy. So we're going to see that woven through this passage. Of course, the Apostle Paul here, he is quoting back. You can find this in Exodus 20. And he is quoting from the Ten Commandments. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, you're going to see the structure again. Again, so many of these passages of Scripture we're going to look at will bring up this same pattern. So if you were to go to Exodus 20 and look at the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So here we have God who makes a nation, who makes a people from Abraham, Father Abraham. He takes Father Abraham and Mother Sarah. He takes these two who are barren, and he miraculously gives them a child, a child of the promise, Isaac. And from them will come a people. And this people will be a blessing to all nations. And we see that in Jesus Christ, those who believe and trust in Jesus Christ become one people of every tribe, nation, language. One people with one heavenly Father. Because they have one Savior, one Lord, 
who is Jesus Christ, one way of salvation through believing in Jesus Christ, having faith in him, because the one way we could be made right with our heavenly father is that our sin had to be paid for, dealt with. And that's what takes place on the cross. And our heavenly father's just wrath toward us had to be satisfied. And that is satisfied in the perfect sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, who takes our sin and bears God's wrath so that we could have forgiveness and be made right with God. So remember, Ephesians began began with that understanding that we have been adopted, adopted in Jesus Christ to become children of God. Now, in a very clear sense, we understand that everyone who has come to life, that they are in God's image. Yet, Scripture makes a difference. Only those who are in faith, who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, are the children of God, who have been adopted in Jesus Christ. So we have one Father, one Father. So that relationship, again, if you go back to Exodus, God tells how he freed them from Egypt, just as in Jesus Christ, we are freed from the slavery and bondage, not of Pharaoh, but of the devil. The slavery and bondage, not of Egyptian captivity, but captivity to our sin, our fallen flesh, our fallen nature. So we're freed in Jesus Christ in Exodus 20, verse 3. That's why God says, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. There's only one God. He's the one who made you. He's the one who frees you. And he's the one who will be glorified. So you have the next, verse 4. You shall not make for yourself an idol, in the form of anything of creation. You are not to substitute your devotion and your honor and your worship and your hunger and thirst and comfort that should only be in the creator. You're not to substitute that for anything of the creation. And then verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shouldn't take God's name that should be lifted high and given all praise, glory, and honor and use that name for something of wickedness and wrongness and treating it as though it is nothing. Then verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And in that you're acknowledging that God is the one who provides And you are trusting him in providing for all things. And then you have verse 12. And this is the commandment that Paul brings up in Ephesians 6. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And what's interesting, if you look at the Ten Commandments, traditionally they would understand honor your father and mother as being a part of the first tablet, which ultimately points to our relationship 
with God. That's interesting. But the reason why is in this relationship of parents and children, we're seeing how we are to live and act with God himself. Just as that first commandment, we are not to have any other gods other than the one true God. And we are not to make idols and misuse his name. And we are to acknowledge that he is the one who provides. We see these things being established in the relationship of children and their parents. We are to obey our parents in everything. We are to lift up their name. We are not to take their name and, 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 and drag it through the mire of our own wickedness and disobedience. So as we go through these verses, we're going to see this pattern where it keeps taking us to holiness. That God has set up this relationship of parents and children so that we all would grow in holiness. If you look at the parallel passage of Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 and Colossians, I always like to do that. Remember when you read Ephesians, read Colossians. And when you read Colossians, read Ephesians. So if you go to Colossians 3.20, you see the parallel statement. In Colossians 3.20, the Apostle Paul there, rather than giving us verses 1 through 4 in Ephesians, he just gives one verse. And in Colossians 3.20, he says this. He summarizes it in this way. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord pleases the Lord. Obey your parents in everything. And it's amazing, this statement, for this pleases the Lord. Ultimately, the reason why we are seeking to be obedient to our parents is ultimately we're seeking to please our Heavenly Father. And again, that's where the Apostle Paul directs our attention in that. So as we look at Ephesians 6, verse 1, again, Paul is quoting back, He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And we see how Jesus Christ modeled this, how Jesus Christ lived this out. Early on, Jesus, he's at the temple. Remember, they're in Jerusalem, and he separated from his parents and from his relatives and that, and he stayed in the temple, and they they were heading back, and they realized he wasn't with them. And they were searching Jerusalem, and they find Jesus in the temple. And they say, what have you done? And he says, well, shouldn't you have known? Of course I would be in my father's house. And it says, but Jesus went with them and submitted to them in all things. And lived in complete obedience. But this is what Jesus talked about in reference to his heavenly father. Jesus made very clear Jesus always obeyed his heavenly father perfectly. Jesus would say, I have only come to say what my heavenly father has told me to say. Or other places, Jesus says, I only do what I saw my father do in heaven. And then Jesus says, when you see me, you see my heavenly father. That's how completely And absolutely in perfect obedience, Jesus is with his heavenly father. For Jesus to say, when you see him and when you listen to him, 
you see and you hear exactly and perfectly his heavenly Father. So that's what Jesus lifts up in this. And we see this theme woven throughout the scriptures. And that's what we see in Leviticus 19. So in Leviticus 19, where we see as, as Moses is writing through the inspiration of the Spirit, and he's weaving this out, we see what's at the heart of this understanding of this reverence and honor for father and mother. Leviticus 19, starting at verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. So you see there in Leviticus 19 where God is explaining that we are to be holy as he is holy. And then he shows what that looks like. And he goes first and foremost to verse 3. We are to revere, we are to honor and seek to obey and lift up our mothers and our fathers. And then he goes back through the first of the Ten Commandments. Keep the Sabbath, do not turn to an idol, and do not make a graven image. Jesus himself references this of the Ten Commandments in his own teaching, as the Apostle Paul does in Ephesians 6, verse 2, where Apostle Paul quotes from it, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you. Jesus himself references this scripture in Matthew 15, verse 4. Jesus says, For God commanded, on your, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. And here you see woven through the Old Testament in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you see woven through these writings of Moses, woven through God's law, that the, the sentence, the judgment for a child who continued in persistent, rampant disobedience toward their parents, there was one verdict and it was death and it was death the good lord is lifting up something about his holiness and the nature of the relationship of parents with children within his people that that is how high he lifts up that relationship now we understand the vital importance of this and the necessity of this. But again, with all these things, we understand that in the church and today, as we looked at marriage, a person, though in Genesis, God says it is not good for a man to be alone, 
but he should have a help mate, man, woman, become one. We understand that in Christ, and as we long for his return, someone may choose never to marry. They may choose to remain single so that they can have complete and absolute devotion to Jesus Christ. And that's what the Apostle Paul even encouraged. If it was possible for the person to do that, he lifted up and encouraged that. Well, again, it is with parents. We understand that that relationship of honoring, but then again, we understand that there may be a dynamic where you have a Christian child and unchristian parents, or Christian parents and unchristian children. So you still have that honoring in place, but you then see that there are times where we have to ultimately, as children, honor God in a way that our earthly parents may consider being dishonorable. Dishonorable. I've spoken before my time in Indonesia, and especially when I was in Bali and I met Christians from, oh, I couldn't keep count of all the different islands in the Indonesian island chain because most of the islands are Muslim. And several of these islands hold to a very strict Sharia law. I mean, it is very strict. And we were able to go to some of these islands. And, and, and I met many a young person who, when they became a Christian, when they believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the first people from the village who came and threatened them were their parents and their uncles and the people of position and power in the community and told them they had two options, either to give up this nonsense of Jesus as Lord and Savior or to die or leave the village. This is a difficult situation. Jesus, again, spoke of this, though. Jesus made clear we are to honor our father and mother, but he also makes clear that in the church, there are relationships that are even higher than those of our physical father and children. Jesus explained this in Matthew 10. In Matthew 10, Jesus says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men... I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Verse 37. This is the heart. This is what Jesus is getting at in this teaching. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake 
will find it. Now, it is a wonderful and glorious and beautiful thing when you have a family where both the father and the mother love the Lord and are Christian and the children are Christian. You see generation after generation come to the Lord and grow up. And that's a beautiful thing. That's why we so cherish those moments in the book of Acts where you see like the jailer and the jailer comes in and he's about ready to impale himself with his sword and Paul says, stop! We're here. And he comes trembling before Paul and Silas and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved, you and your household. And then later you see where they are speaking the gospel. And it says, everyone in the household rejoiced. You see that? They rejoiced. And the Lord brought it together where they as a household were as one. And had faith and belief in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that is a beautiful and glorious thing. And we are so thankful when that happens. But we understand that that is not always how it happens. And that's why Jesus says, for some families, when one comes to Christ, it may rip that family unit to pieces. Now, there still is honor where honor is due and respect, and we still lift up our parents with honor and respect. But ultimately, that we may be faced with times, as Peter was faced with this. If you look at Acts 5, they were teaching the disciples in the name of Jesus, and the Sanhedrin drags them in. In Acts 5, verse 28, they tell They say, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Speaking about Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So there are times we're faced with that when it's in the Lord and when it's something of obedience to God. And when we're asked to do something that would be in violation to who God is in his commands and in his will. But if, it is, if we are asked by our parents to do something that isn't in direct and open rebellion and disobedience to God and his will and his ways, obey them. Respect them. Honor them. And lift them up. Because in so doing, it's creating a habit. It's creating a, an attitude of the heart of humbling ourselves and lifting up another. And it's that forming of our heart is what's prepared to come before our God and to humble ourselves and lift him up. That's what this, this whole pattern is for. And that's why, again, you you see this word holiness, holiness. And that's Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, we see again 
where the author of Hebrews speaks of this relationship and he speaks of this disciplining, this, this discipline where, where a father disciplines his children and the children are to respond in obedience to the dis- discipline of the father. And ultimately, we're going to see where the author of Hebrews, he lifts up one word that is the purpose for this relationship. In Hebrews 12, starting at verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be wary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. There it is. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. There it is again. The author of Hebrews literally takes us and takes that dynamic for believers and their heavenly father and takes it right back to Leviticus 19. He just, it's the same. It was the same for the people of God in the Old Testament and it's the same for the people of God in the New Testament. That ultimately knowing God as our heavenly father And us submitting ourselves in complete obedience and reverence to him grows us to the power of his Holy Spirit and through his grace and mercy in holiness. So that we can become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, he was the perfect child. And through this this wonderful grace of God, we can grow up into the likeness of Jesus Christ as the body with him as the head. This is part of the good news that we've been set free from our sin by God's grace, that we are saved by God's grace as a gift. And part of this gift is not only freedom from sin and being made right with God, it is now that we can be God's children and we can live in ways to honor him and give him glory and praise. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. Holiness. So it's a powerful thing when you consider this teaching of the Apostle Paul. What it is to look to God as your heavenly father. Some here have been blessed. Some here have grown up in Christian homes where your father and mother love the Lord and you are able to grow up in their nurturing and teaching as the Bible lifts up and what a glorious thing. 
And some here have grown up in homes where there was division and, and one parent believed and the other one didn't. And some here have grown up in homes where the things of Christ were not to be found. But the good news is this. Regardless of what home environment we may come out of, and regardless of, of how exactly our, our current families match up with this, we understand that by God's grace, we all have a heavenly Father who is perfect. He disciplines perfectly. Everything He does is right and good and just. And if as Hebrews 12 says, I, I, I love the grace here by the, by the author of Hebrews. Again, this passage, I, I love the grace there. The, the grace for, for us parents who <laughs> fall short at times. I love this. Verse 9 again. Hebrews 12. Oh. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more, much more is the key there, be subject to the Father of spirits? This is our Heavenly Father. And live. And here, verse 10, here's the grace. Here it speaks now about our earthly fathers, here, earthly parents. Verse 10 For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. You hear that? Sometimes we did right, sometimes we blew it. As it seemed best to them. But, there you go. There's the, like one of those B-U-T's that you underline and circle and put an exclamation point next to. Here it is. But, He, that's our Heavenly Father, disciplines us for our good. Everything He does is for our good. Everything He does is right and true that we may share His holiness. So for all the, those here who are parents, I encourage you just to, just to seek the Lord in all these things and seek His grace and mercy and how to, how to raise up those the Lord puts in your life and the things of the Lord. All those who are children here as we seek to show honor and, and respect in and, and all the ways that we can to our earthly parents. But ultimately, if you're in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how old you are, you are a child. And here we see ultimately this is about how we can submit ourselves and lift up our Heavenly Father in all glory and all honor as we grow in his love and grow in his holiness. Let us pray.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and your goodness and your love. We thank you that you are a perfect father. Oh, how wonderful this is. That in every way you discipline us and in every way that you love us and and are at work in our lives, that it is for our good, it is for your glory, and it is perfect. So, Father, we pray that you'll help us just to trust you all the more and to look to you. You are our one desire. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.